Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series where Booklist talks to book people. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Capstone. I'm Susan McGuire, and today I'm talking to Bao Fee, an award-winning poet and children's book author. His stunning debut picture book, A Different Pond, won a Caldecott Honor, a Charlotte Zolito Award, an Asian Pacific American Award for Literature, an Ezra Jack Keats Honor, a Boston Globe Hornbook Honor, and numerous other awards and accolades. Bao is a single co-parent father, an arts administrator, and a book nerd. His fourth picture book, You Are Life, is illustrated by Hannah Lee and comes out in August from Capstone. Thank you so much for joining me, Bao. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about You Are Life. What inspired the story? As we all know, the pandemic and COVID have been heavy in all of our lives. And unfortunately, it's not just the virus, but a lot of other things happening in the world concurrently, right? And in my case, something that hit very hard was the upswing in anti-Asian violence that happened partially as a result of the former president scapegoating China for the virus. But, you know, those of us who have lived here a long time and have studied history know that anti-Asian violence, unfortunately, is not a new thing. And so what was painful, though, is that in our era, you know, Americans in general have a very short memory, it seems. And one of the challenges of being Asian American is that people sometimes either dismiss or ignore racism against Asian people as lesser or something that is just kind of not very important to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of like this double pain and double hurt that happens, right? So there's the incident itself, and then the subsequent erasure and dismissal of that hurt. And that's really why I wrote this book. You know, like, um, I just want to say, of course, I feel for all people, not just Asian people. When people hurt, I hurt. But as an Asian American, when these things specifically happen to your people, you want to do something. And I'm a writer. I write books. So I wrote a book. Yeah. So kind of going along with that, there's not an age limit on experiencing racism and anti-Asian bias and violence, but it's still a tough subject to talk about. How how do you approach introducing a painful topic to young readers? Yeah, thank you for that question. All of my children's books touch on difficult subjects in one way or another, right? So A Different Pond, my first book was really about being a refugee from war, and there's class struggle, there's death in the family. In my second book, dealt with bullying, whether it's because of racism, sexism, or homophobia, or all different ways that people can choose to hate us. My third book was about immigration and deportation, which is also a very difficult, uh, a pair of difficult subjects. And with this, similarly, For me, I wanted to not shy away from why the book exists, but at the same time, as you kind of intimated, it's difficult to write about that, right? You don't want to traumatize kids, right? Right, right. And so really what I tried to do was we name it we because there's a part in the book where there it just says you are not a virus, right? Because Mm -hmm. people are associating Asian people with the virus, being a virus, faulting us for being a virus. And so there's a part in the book where I say, you are not a virus. And the rest of the book, though, is really just celebrating our lives, you know, the diversity of our lives as full 
human beings, not just touching upon the hurt, but also our joy and our potential. And so really, it's kind of a balance where we say, hey, we're not going to sugarcoat it and just say that these this pain and discrimination doesn't exist. But we're also going to ask, like, how do we overcome that? How do we celebrate our larger true selves, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I, I made a note of that line, you are not a virus, you are a seed. When you were born, you saved me. I just thought that was so powerful. I got a little choked up when I read it. Thank you. And that, thank you for bringing up that line. And that really was inspired by my life. It was inspired about from my child, because I really do think that my child saved me. And it just is so painful to think of bringing a child, an Asian American child into this world that can hate them for all these different reasons. This like little being who who really saved my life when they were born, but I brought them into this world. So what am I going to do about it? I guess write a book and hopefully connect them to something bigger than they are and also for other kids who might need it. Yeah. And the poem, the whole poem is so full of joy and fun. And I love the references to things like food and Blanket forts and dance dance revolution was got a little shout out in there. Yes. Was there anything in the poem or maybe in the illustrations that was inspired by your childhood or inspired by your real life? That's a great question. I mean, you know, like I think any book is there are fragments of yourself and your life in it. But uh, in a book like this, we're also kind of reaching beyond this idea that one person can represent this entire very diverse population of people. And so absolutely, there is some stuff that is just totally from my life. My kids' obsession with farting cats, for instance, and art, right? That type of stuff is totally from my life. And video games, Dance Dance Revolutions, that's totally from my life. But there's other stuff that is is not, is just meant to be more general because this book is really about kind of bringing people in. You know what I mean? And so that's what I hope the book does. I think farting cats are universal. <laughs> I totally hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So your background is as a spoken word artist. How does your poetry and um, especially spoken word poetry influence your writing for children? You know, thank you so much for asking. So yes, I've been a spoken word poet since 1992, I think. But I will say that, you know, that was my teen years when I was on speech team and we didn't even call it spoken word, right? I was just uh, uh, reciting poems and speech. But even before that, when I was much younger, I liked to draw pictures and and write stories on simple pieces of paper or in a notebook. And so there's a way in which creating stories has always been a part of my life and always been fun for me. It's funny that you asked this because this is my first picture book that's a poem. You know, my other hmm. three books, they're very narrative based. They, they have a, they're very much stories. And I don't know, it just felt right for this to be a poem if that makes sense, because there's a way in which I almost want this to be anthemic, like a like an anthem for kids. I almost want it to be like a song. And I felt like that could be more powerfully conveyed through poetry rather than kind of a narrative story. And that I definitely drew from my spoken word background for that, if that makes sense. It does. And that's so interesting. I wonder, I wonder what that is about poetry that is able to 
express something so much differently than prose can. Mm-hmm. Something about the way language is constructed, maybe, or... Yeah, you know, it's like with poetry, you can just get right to it. You know, like you can say in poetry, you're a life, you're a raft, you're a life lighthouse. All of those images convey things very simply. And it's kind of more about the tone of it and the sound of it and the feeling rather than, okay, I need to like dot every I across every T about like this story. It's just a different mentality. And I'm, you know, obviously there are strengths to both forms, but I think that something about poetry kind of hues closer to this idea of like lyric and song Mm -hmm. and mood, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think this will be such a great read aloud book. And that kind of leads into my next question, which is that for a lot of your readers, they're not going to be reading it themselves. They'll have an adult or an older person reading it to them. So is there anything you hope adults take away from reading You Are Life? I mean, absolutely. Thank you for asking. I mean, obviously, kids aren't the only ones that need to learn about Asian American people. Uh, you know, everybody needs to learn about Asian American people. And again, I, I don't, you know, say that in a self-righteous way. Like, you know, my principles for myself and my child is I want to learn about everyone too. You know, like I want to learn about Black people, Native American people, Arab people, Latinx people, mixed race, LGBTQ women, Jewish, Arab people. Like, I want to learn about everyone. And I want to learn mm-hmm. about, I want my kid to learn about everyone. And I think that what would be great is if people also dedicated themselves to learning about Asian American people, kind of beyond the stereotypes of what an Asian and Asian American is kind of in the mainstream, you know, like who we are as like a multitude of very complicated human beings with different types of histories and struggle uh, in this country. Yeah. And I think you touch on that kind of idea of the diaspora, I guess. Um, That's not really the right word because you talk about Bollywood and you talk about crunchy rolls. You really go into sort of the myriad of Asian identities. Right. I kind of wanted to avoid a book that was like, Asian American people are one thing, and this is who mm-hmm. we are. What, and that's kind of what I love about poetry, too, is that you can, in lyric, explore, like, we're actually a hundred thousand million different things. Mm-hmm. And almost like you can paint the canvas, like we're as different as the stars in the night sky. And I really wanted to you know, conjure this idea of the multitudes rather than this is one story. That's really beautiful. And I think the book definitely succeeds there. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm very nervous about it, to tell you the truth. Oh. Yeah, for for a variety of reasons. So thank you for that. You know, like I don't, when you write something, you just don't know. And especially writing poems for kids, it's, it's not the easiest thing, right? And then I know why I wrote it, but like you, you never, you have no control over how something is going to be received. And you have no control over people kind of second guessing what your motives are. But at the end of the day, I'm an artist. My job is to put the work out there and, you know, how people receive it is how they receive it. Right. And that part is, is that harder than writing the book or is writing harder? <laughs> Different kinds of hard. I actually think it's different. It's difficult in different phases of the book. So when the book is taking form, when you're writing it, the hard, uh, I tend not to think about like 
how is it going to be received? I do think about things like audience and like, is this readable? Is this interesting? What's the rhythm? You know, like, is this interesting? So I'm thinking about audience that way. You know what I mean? In terms of craft, Mm -hmm. but I'm not thinking about like, oh, are people going to think I'm like, you know, trying to capitalize on pain by putting this out? I'm not thinking about that. Right. Like I'm, right. I'm kind of, you know, like during the, during the process of writing, it's, it's about craft. And then when it's done, that's when you start worrying about everything else. Right. And so, because once it's kind of, I mean, you know how this, the book industry is once the, once the book is in its, you know, form that is going to get printed, it's, it becomes this train and you get off of it. Right. It's out of your hands. Right. Pretty much. So, yeah. But you still get to talk about it with, folks like us which we appreciate yeah and i thank you for the opportunity for me to talk to you about it as i said it's been so hard and i know it's hard for different people depending on your race your gender your 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 sexuality your whether or not you have a disability etc through covid we've all had different difficulties depending on our identity and our intersections of all those things and i will say that it's been my particular challenge on top of everything has been this question of Here we are again at a moment of great anti-Asian violence and hysteria. Have we learned anything? And it can be very painful to feel like you're alone. And I know that it's not just me. I've spoken to many Asian Americans who, again, who witness these things and they go through the complicated feelings of, oh my gosh, there's this terrible racism happening against us. But there's also this feeling that nobody cares. Or that it's not important. And that's just, uh, that has been just so painful, not just to me, but to a lot of people I care about. And so I appreciate this opportunity to talk a little bit about my little book and, and the hope that this can add to the conversation, if nothing else. I think that'll be wonderful. So for the last question, Booklist is part of the American Library Association. So Mm -hmm. I have to ask, how have libraries played a role in your reading or your writing life? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Big one. So, you know, going way back, my family came in the mid-70s to Phillips in Minneapolis, which is Minnesota's largest, poorest, and most racially diverse neighborhood. And my parents still live there. And I, being the baby in the 80s, I wanted what all the other kids wanted. I wanted G.I. Joe's. I wanted Transformers. I wanted the Atari 2600, but we were poor. You know, we were poor and we were a big refugee family. But one thing that we had was there was a library about six to eight blocks away. And that library is still there. My parents still live in Phillips. And my parents had taught me to walk to and from that library uh, because reading books in a library was free. You could borrow books and comics for free from the library. And I really mean it when I say that the library was like a haven in my life, in my young life. I have many stories about teaching myself to walk to and from that library with you know different pathways to and from that library, avoiding, avoiding the bullies that would roam around my neighborhood looking for kids like me to pick on, for example. And then once I got to the library, I would read these fantastic books of imagination and and wonder. And librarians were always very kind to me and my friends. And so really, it's no exaggeration to say that really libraries really shaped who I am. 
And it's probably also no exaggeration to say libraries saved my life. I'm pretty sure they did. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. Yeah. Well, I think your book is going to have a huge impact on readers. And I can't wait for folks to be able to read it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Baufi. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Shelf Care interview. This Shelf Care interview was sponsored by Capstone, publisher of You Are Life, written by Baufi and illustrated by Hannah Lee, available in August. Happy reading. Happy reading.